You're going to be very happy. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Jesse Hughes Show. It has been a hot second since we have had an episode. Um, That is completely my bad. I am very sorry about that. But, you know, it is what it is. What can I say? We're back. We're here now. We're, We're rolling. We're live. We're making it. Through. So even though we missed a few days, you know, it is it is what it is. In the few days that we've missed, we have seen some very, very, very big developments happening across culture, across landscapes, everywhere. Before we get into that, I do just want to let you know, because I'm sure some of you have been wondering, Jesse, is there a guest? There's not a guest. I'm sorry. Today, it's just me running solo. I know I've kind of spoiled y'all the last few times. It is what it is. I'm sorry. But today, we will be running solo. I hopefully will have some pretty cool guests coming up over the summer, over the next few weeks, next few months. We'll see. Um, For the foreseeable future, it's just going to be me. Um, There might be something with somebody coming soon. I'm not sure, but for the foreseeable future, it's just going to be me. I'm sorry about that, but, you know, we're doing what we can. But there's an overarching theme to today's episode that will probably be the title. It's a... There's a couple of stories that don't fit into this, and we'll talk about those at the end because they are very important. But for the most part... There's been a consistent theme that we have seen. You may have heard other conservative commentators talk about it. You may have heard other conservative commentators say this phrase. I don't know what you've heard or what you haven't. But there's a phrase that has been going around. And that phrase is, go woke, go broke. I tweeted this the other day. And why did I tweet it? Well, Let's look at some very important things that are going on right now. First and foremost, Americans, it seems, are tired of this woke leftist ideological insanity when it comes to LGBTQ, when it comes to gender, when it comes to sexual orientation, all of this stuff. Americans are sick of it. They're just frankly sick of it. And you have seen corporations like Netflix... Netflix has lost so much stock value over the past month. They've gone down farther and farther and farther than anyone could ever believe. And there are some people who don't believe it. There's some people who are like, but but why? Why is Netflix losing so much business? What's going on? I thought that our uh, pandering agenda, that our woke agenda, that all this crap that we've been shoveling. I thought people loved this stuff, but it turns out they don't because for the first time since ever, as far as anybody's concerned, Netflix has lost more subscribers than it has gained, and that has caused their stock to plummet. And it's not just Netflix that is experiencing the wrath of the consumer. 
but it's also CNN. Now, we all know that CNN has been a dying network since Trump left office. Trump, they were a dying network before Trump, and Trump was really, whether you love him or you hate him, Trump is what kept CNN alive, and Trump is really what kept legacy media in general alive. Now, there are some exceptions to that. My man Tucker Carlson still gets tons and tons and tons of plays. He's still very popular. He's still very, he gets tons of views. Fox News is still a popular news station. And Fox Nation, um, their streaming service has a lot of subscribers. It's very successful. It's been doing good for them. And CNN, the dying legacy media outlet that it is, was like, okay, two can play at that game. And they launched CNN+. And before the host could even move into their offices, before what some people would consider real data could have even been gathered, after they had spent millions of dollars developing and getting this thing off the road and creating content for it, and after only, I think, 11 days of being a platform. CNN Plus. CNN announced that it was going to get rid of CNN Plus. It was not a valuable asset. It was not as valuable of an asset as they thought it was going to be. And honestly, anyone with a brain could have told you that. Nobody wants to see Chris Wallace and Jim Acosta and all these crazy liberals coming out here and trying to pander to you on a streaming service. Who's going to buy that? Like, look at your ratings on regular TV and tell me that you think a streaming service is going to be successful. And then tell me the names that are going to be on the streaming service. And tell me you think those are going to be successful. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. You are full of it. That is what you are. You are full of it. There's nothing that could have ever... If I were an investor in your company, which I wouldn't be because I would realize it was a sinking ship and I needed to get out of here. But even if I was an investor in your company, I would have known from the get-go, this is a horrible idea. Let's not do this. Well, maybe I wouldn't have because I would be investing in your company. Eh, you live, you learn. But I think anyone could have seen this coming. Almost anyone could have seen this coming. But of course they didn't. And now the Supreme Court, or not the Supreme Court, and now CNN Plus is gone. It's, it's, it's done. It's gone. But maybe the most prevalent example of the idea of go woke, go broke, is what has transpired with not the largest, that's unfortunately TikTok, but one of the largest social media companies in the existence of the world, Twitter. Elon Musk did it. Elon Musk did what no conservative was able to do. He challenged and won against Twitter. And how did he do it? By purchasing the company, something that only Elon Musk could do. The deal's valid. As of right now, the deal is valid. Twitter has agreed to it. The shareholders are cool with it. 
the board is cool with it. Elon is very cool with it. And everyone on Twitter is extremely cool with it. And the funny thing is, since this has happened, Twitter has gained, like, Twitter has gained a ton of new people, a ton of old accounts that had been buried in the ban pile have now sprung back to life. And a lot of conservative accounts that had been quote-unquote shadow banned, or at least it seemed like they had been shadow banned, now all of a sudden are getting hundreds of thousands of new followers every single day. And hopefully, at jhughes1776 on Twitter will end up being one of these accounts that will start blowing up and gaining more and more followers day after day because, you know, I don't know who this guy is, at jhughes1776, but he's got some pretty cool content, and I would go give him a, I would go look him up on Twitter. He, he doesn't just talk about politics either. He talks about some cool stuff like college football. He got to lead the Pledge of Allegiance yesterday at the Virginia March for Life. Oh, wait, that's me! jhughes1776 on Twitter? That's me. It's crazy. I'm not, you know, trying to give myself clout, but I think if if you're interested, I think you should consider going and going and giving me a follow on Twitter. You might like what you see. You might not. I don't know. But Elon Musk bought Twitter. And it has been an interesting day for those on the left who are freaking the frick out over all of it. But, you know, as the Daily Wire, as Ben Shapiro likes to say, leftist tears, hot or cold. Elon Musk did it. He bought Twitter. He did something. He fought against Twitter. He won. He did something that no conservative to this point had been able to do, and that's win against Twitter. And, it on, okay, it honestly makes me question where, how have we gotten to the point? How have we gotten to the point where we are now? Where it takes a billionaire, a billionaire, to ensure our free speech. You know, I'd always heard, growing up, I always, my, my family was very devoted to military appreciation, and I'd always heard the expression, freedom is not free. And it's not. Freedom isn't free. But I was unaware that freedom cost 40, about $46 billion dollars. <laughs> When I heard freedom isn't free, you know, my the immediately the thoughts that immediately came to mind were things like uh, I don't know, blood and soldiers and gunshots and Christ on the cross and all those good things. But no, not not at all. Instead, the thing that happens is actually we get a dude with forty six billion dollars come in and be like, hey. Let me buy Twitter. Let me buy Twitter. Go woke, but go broke. And this doesn't just apply to corporations. This also applies in the political realm as well. Biden has not been having a good time lately. First, you had an amazing judge down in Florida a couple weeks ago say that the CDC extending the mask mandate for planes and flights and stuff like this is unconstitutional. 
which is something that should have been done a long time ago. <laughs> so no more mask on planes. Hallelujah. This does not affect me in the slightest because I, I've f been in a plane twice in my entire life. The first time I was five months old. I don't remember that. And the second time I was in eighth grade, I was in a program called Civil Air Patrol, which is basically an youth auxiliary unit of the United States Air Force. And I got to fly in a Cessna. Pretty fun times, but a Cessna is definitely not the same as a commercial airliner like United or anything like that. But hey, what are you going to do? But yes, Biden's not doing too well. That happened. So no more masks on planes, which it doesn't affect me, but does affect a lot of people. So, you know, there's millions of people that fly every day. Then, April 25th, federal judge bars Biden from lifting Trump-era border policy. Title 42, a Trump-era policy authorizing U.S. Border Patrol to turn away migrants at the border over COVID-19. The Biden administration tried to get rid of it, and a federal judge said... No. As they should, because Title 42 is common sense. And there's been a surprising number of Democrats, even, who have supported it. The border and border security, it remains to be an issue that the Republican Party needs to keep pressing. Because many people, it's one of the most important issues, especially as you get closer to the border, for people in those areas. It's something that a lot of border states like Arizona, Texas, Nevada, wait, not Nevada, Nevada's north, Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, that's the end state that I was trying to think of. New Mexico, I promise I know my geography. I promise I know geography. I know I know Professor Ritchie listens to this now, shout out, because he saw my flyer. I promise you, Professor, even though I never had your geography class, I know you're Captain Geo. I promise I know geography. Anyway, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, these border states, this is going to be a very interesting and very important issue in the upcoming midterms, which I will get to in just a second. But border security is important. And the Supreme Court needs, I keep saying Supreme Court because I keep looking over. I'm going to be talking about the Supreme Court in a few minutes. That's not yet. That's to come. But I keep bringing it up by accident. My bad. Um, but the Biden administration and the Republican Party needs to realize that this is going to be important to focus on in the midterms. But you had the mass mandates are gone. The border, Title 42, is still here. And now the Biden job approval rating, as of today, Thursday, April 28th, is still underwater. There's two different polls. I'm looking at real, the Real Clear Politics. I'm looking at two different polls pulled up right now, or three different polls, two from Emerson and one's from Rasmutin. Emerson and Rasmutin ha both have Biden underwater. Emerson has him approved 42, disapproved 50. That's disapproved plus 8. Rasmutin has him even further down, approved 42, disapproved 57, a 15-point margin. Goodness. And the 2022 generic congressional vote has Republicans up by 6 points. 
six points. It's madness. Biden, <laughs> it's going to be a bad 2022. 2021 was not a great year for Biden. You know, we had the good old Afghanistan debacle, and before that, we had several other debacles, uh, concerns with him about COVID, concerns with him about a ton of other stuff. But now, it, 2022 is just panning out to be even a worse year than we could have ever imagined for Biden, for the Biden administration, for everything that's going on. It's it's just not it's just not good. It's just not good. Go woke, go broke. That's what they say. And the Biden administration went woke, and the Biden administration is going broke. There's a couple more issues that are at hand politically in the political sphere right now that are very important that I wanted to talk about. The first is and I full full transparency real quick. I want to give a shout out. I want to give a shout out to Dr. Al Moeller. Al Moeller is the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kentucky. He is one of my favorite pastors. I love listening to him. I love reading his material. He has a huge emphasis and a huge focus on things, on issues concerning a Christian worldview, um, how to approach contemporary issues from a Christian worldview, things that are important. And he runs a morning podcast called The Briefing, which is a daily analysis from his own words, a daily analysis of news from a Christian worldview. These two next stories that I'm about to talk about came from this morning's edition of The Briefing. I'm not going to copy what he said, but I am going to copy the stories. And I might, if I say something that you go back and listen to and he also said, it's not intentionally, I'm not plagiarizing him. I'm giving him a shout out. Dr. Al Moeller, thank you for everything you do. I love The Briefing. And if for some reason you end up hearing this, I would love for you to come on the show. I would love to have you come on the show. So this is where I'm getting some of my material. A very important case that just came up. This is from Reuters. U.S. Supreme Court conservatives lean toward football coach in prayer case. April 25th, the U.S. Supreme Court on Monday appeared to receptive to making it easier for public school employees to more freely ex express my bad, their religious views, signaling it would side with a Christian former high school football coach in Washington State, who refused to stop leading prayers with players on the field after games. The issue at hand in this case is whether a public employee, uh, a high school football coach, um, frick, my bad. Where is his name? Joseph Kennedy. Joseph Kennedy is a part-time assistant football coach in the city of Bremerton, which is a city in, I believe, Washington State. I am not 100% sure on that. But basically, 
he was a football coach. He, he served as a coach at Bre- uh, Bremerton High School from tw- 2008 to 2015. He began going to the 50-yard lines after football games and praying, you know, because he is a man of faith. It was a public expression of faith, which is protected under the First Amendment, and he went to the 50-yard line and began praying. Pretty soon after play, after he started doing this, players on their own accord, with no prompting from him whatsoever, would come and start praying with him. And even then, some players from opposing teams would also come and start praying. And it was just something that they did. It was something that they did. And one day, um, a opposing team had complained, probably because they lost, who knows, but complained, and the school board and school administration ordered him to stop. He refused, and he got fired, and now it has made its way to the Supreme Court. And it looks like it looks like the court's going to side with him because there's a 6-3 conservative majority. The conservatives seem to be wanting to side with him. They seem to be in favor of him. And it looks like, thankfully, he's going to get what he... He's going to get a ruling in favor of him, which is going to be very, very important for religious freedom and religious liberty in the United States. This is very important. If the left, if the radical left had its way, public expressions of religion would not be allowed. We've seen this in communist countries like China, like the Soviet Union. And these are authoritarian communist countries, and the radical left are authoritarian communists who want to suppress our rights and want to get rid of our rights to freedom of speech, to freedom of the press. They want to make sure that the only religion is religion that is geared toward worshiping the state. But we're not going to let that happen. And luckily, the Supreme Court's not going to let that happen. And thank the Lord that it's not going to happen. I mentioned earlier that I got to lead the Pledge of Allegiance yesterday at the Virginia March for Life in Richmond. And the reason I got to do that is because um, the Liberty University chapter of Students for Life got to um, got to hold the banner at the front of the march. You may have seen some news stories about it. You may have seen some social media buzz because Governor Yunkin got, was at the march and marched with us, and it was a very fun time. Um, and <laughs> it, it makes me laugh. Um, I heard while we were marching, um, I heard a reporter talking to the governor, and he asked him, you know, why are you out here marching today for the Virginia March for Life? And I love what he said. Uh, Yunkin, in his Yunkin way, was like, well, I'm the governor of Virginia, and I'm pro-life, so I came to march. <laughs> and that made me laugh. <laughs> it actually did make me laugh. I thought it was very funny. I, I mean, it's a very straightforward answer. 
But it's a question that was repeated multiple times throughout the throughout the course of the day. We had speakers like Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears, Avalita King, who's the, I think, niece of Martin Luther King. We had, I had multiple news reporters. I had somebody from uh, ABC News and somebody from the Washington Post talk to me and ask me, um, talk to my friends. We had somebody from Vice out there who was asking people stuff. We had somebody from the Richmond Times asking people stuff. There were news reporters everywhere. But whether it was the speakers like Lieutenant Governor Sears or uh, Delegate Nick Freitas or whether it was with some of these reporters, the question kept getting brung up and brought up, my, brought up, my bad. Why are you marching? Why are we marching? What are we marching for? What's the purpose of this? It's the march for life. We're pro-life. But why? What's the purpose behind any of this? What, what is the reason? And the reason is, and the reason being, is because we are at a pivotal time in our culture. We are at a pivotal, pivotal time in our uh, circumstances where we are seeing, for the first time in almost 50 years, abortion the chance that abortion could actually get reined back. We're seeing Dobbs v. Jackson, a case which I had the privilege of being in D.C. the day it was heard. At the Supreme Court the day it was heard, we're seeing Dobbs v. Jackson moving through the courts and posing a real challenge and a real threat to Roe v. Wade. For the first time, Certainly in my lifetime, and certainly in the lifetime of many of my listeners, most of y'all are around my age, and for the first time in many of the people that were marching's lives, and there are some who remember before 1973, before Roe v. Wade, before Planned Parenthood versus Casey in the early 90s, there are some people that remember what it was like before, but most don't. Most of us don't. I certainly don't. The only thing I've ever known is a world in which abortion was widely available and legal up to birth. Because of Roe v. Wade. And now we're seeing the momentum shift. The energy shift. The energy's on our side now. We're seeing this shift Culturally, politically, judicially, everywhere in favor of life. Because we know, we know abortion's wrong. They know abortion's wrong as much as they don't want to admit it. They know it's wrong. We know it's a human life. They know it's a human life. The only difference is only one side wants to recognize that it's a human life. And only one side wants to recognize the God-given potential and the God-given rights of that human life. But now we're at a place where the culture is shifting. Science is on our side. You always hear this crowd, believe the science! Well, why aren't you believing the science on abortion? 
because the science is clear. The science is clear about what we have been saying since the beginning, that life begins at conception. And when life begins, human rights begin. When life begins, civil rights begin. When life begins, all the rights and privileges that an, uh, that a human is gifted on just the account of being a human begin because human beings are made in the image of God. From the first pages of Genesis, we were made in the image of God. And that gives us worth. That gives us value. You can't just kill a random person for no reason because they are made in the image of God and because they have worth and value. And as much as some people don't want to admit it, we all know that that begins at conception. So if you want to believe the science, you will believe the science that life begins. And when life begins, the philosophical, the only morally justified and the only logical philosophical conclusion that you can come to is that that life deserves the fullest extent of rights that it can be given. There's nothing else to say about it. You can act like it's a nuanced issue. And there is some nuance to certain aspects of it. But when it comes to nuance, people like to overly nuance things. There's some nuance, but there's not as much nuance as some people would like there to be. People try to overly nuance it. They try to make it an issue of sex. Oh, you're anti-women. You're anti-reproductive rights. They don't even they don't even use the word abortion. They avoid using the word abortion as much as they can. And it's just wrong. Because we know what honestly, pro-lifers should do the same in my opinion. I think it's time for pro-lifers to stop using the word abortion. The left has stopped using it, so let's stop using it. The only difference is we're not going to use the same terms that they are. Because they're using more euphemisms now. Abortion was already a euphemism, and now they're using more. Now they're saying abortion is reproductive health care, reproductive rights, women's rights, women's reproductive rights, a woman's right to her own body, a woman's right to choose. Well, let me tell you something. It's not her own body, and it's not her right to choose because it's another living human being. And so instead of using all these euphemisms like abortion, it's time to get real and call it what it is. It's time to get real and call it what it is. And that is murder. Abortion is murder, plain and simple. And that is why we march. That is why we take to the streets and we march and we go and we let it be known that we are fighting to end this because it needs to end now. And we are on the precipice of the largest momentum shift in history, the history of this issue with Dobbs v. Jackson because as soon as Roe v. Wade gets reversed, which I hope it will, we, kept, we said this yesterday to the media, the battleground's not going to shrink 
because the battleground's already shrunken right now. The only battleground there is is the court. The battleground, as soon as this issue, as soon as Roe is reversed, it's going to expand to every single state. Because let's be realistic, there's not going to be a federal solution to this, at least not in the next 10 to 15 years. It's going to have to be state by state. State by state. And we're going to have to go to every state legislator, and we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to fight to make sure that abortion becomes unthinkable in the United States of America because it is murder. I've got more to say, and I've got some more things to talk about. And I've got something cool to talk about that I don't talk about often enough on this podcast. But we will get to that in just a second. First, a quick word from our sponsors. Price and Friends. That song was Midway Drive by Gable Price and Friends, one of my favorite songs. I've been listening to Gable Price and Friends so much more recently because I just saw them live the other night at this thing we were having at Liberty called The After Party. The After Party. Let's go. Very fun time. Very enjoyable time. Loved it. Got to meet the band after. Well, got to meet Gable Price after. Fun time. Liked him. Good guy. So I mentioned earlier about freedom and how freedom isn't free. And I wanted to look for a moment because, you know, the topic of freedom is one that people don't seem to understand that much. What is freedom? Jesus said in the Bible, you know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, what does that mean? Well, we're going to take a little study on it real quick. Um, This is the first time I've ever done something like this on the podcast, I think. uh, And it's something I want to do more, more of. But I want to look at a little passage of scripture that uh, we we were going through, some friends of mine and I, the other day. Romans 6, verses... 15 through 23. I'm going to read it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about what freedom actually is. Starting in verse 15. Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart 
to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I am, of course, reading from the ESV, the extra spiritual version, or as some Calvinists call it, the elect standard version. <laughs> or as it's more commonly known, the uh, English standard version. Slaves. Slavery. Something Americans know all too well. But the kind of slavery being discussed in this passage is not what comes to mind when you and I, in our American context, think of slavery. And this is why it's important to study the historical background, especially of texts like this, of text in the Bible. What is Paul referring to when he talks about slavery? In the ancient Greco-Roman world, there was slavery. Because throughout most of human history up to about 150 years ago, and even in some circumstances still today, through sex trafficking and sex crimes, there has been slavery. Americans like to pretend that slavery just popped up in the 1490s and then boom, here we go. That's not what happened. Slavery existed for basically ever. And the kind of slavery that w occurred under this time period is more akin to what you and I would know as indentured servitude. Basically, somebody owes a debt. They work for a few years as a slave, and eventually when they've paid off their debt, they're free to go. The only difference being that when you and I become slaves to Christ, we have a debt that we owe that we can never pay, but Jesus paid it for us through his sacrifice. And when we turn to Christ and become followers of him, we're in it for life. You're in it till the end. You can't just be in for a few years and say, I'm out. Nope. If you are a born-again believer, you're in it for the, for the long run, man. So what is freedom? Because in the passage, Paul makes the distinction, when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, meaning that you weren't bound to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting from the time of, at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? Think back, if you're a Christian, think back to before you were a Christian. Think of when you were running around, when you were sinning. Maybe you are a Christian and you're still committing sin. Well, I mean, we're all still committing sins. Maybe you're sinning more than you should be. Either way, I mean, God gives grace. But 
think about it for a minute. What were the things that you were doing that you're not proud of when you were a slave to sin but free from righteousness? The passage says the end of those things is death. Hell is real. Hell is a reality. and Hell is something that we need to be talking about. Not to scare people into coming to Christ, but to alert them to what their present reality is if they were to die, where they would be going. Because the most loving thing to do is to warn them that they're going to go to hell if they don't come to Christ. Because we don't want that to happen. But now we have been set free from sin and become slaves to God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and eternal life. We are free from sin and free into Christ. Free into service, but service to God. And to some of us, that doesn't make sense. To some of us, we hear that and we get confused. Free into service? That doesn't make any sense. But through Christ comes freedom from the chains of sin. Because think about it. Let's take alcohol for an example. Let's pretend for a moment, and maybe for some of you it's not pretending. Yo. But let's pretend for a moment that you are an alcoholic, that you're addicted to alcohol. You're, you're not free. You may think that you are free from the bondage of rules because, oh, I can do what I want because I'm drinking, da-da-da-da-da, but you're not. You're stuck. You are a, you are a slave to that sin. Or maybe your addiction is pornography. You're a slave to porn. You're a slave to drugs. You're a slave to gossip. Because no matter what you do, you can't stop. Because you have to scratch the itch. You have to feed into the itch. You have to feed into the temptation. And fortunately, through his love and mercy, God provides us a way out. And that provides us freedom. So that even though it might seem to some like, oh, I'm stuck under this system of rules and I... There's, it's antiquated and I can't do all the fun things I used to anymore. That's not the point. The point is that you're free from the things that once held you in bondage. That is what true freedom is. Christ is true freedom. Freedom isn't free. It was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ for you and for me and for all the sins of all humanity. And I hope that encourages you today. That's all I've got today for the Jesse Hughes Show. If you are a someone who is new, I hope you subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple or whatever you're using to listen. And if there's a way to review, I hope that you liked it and you find us worthy of a free star or a five star review. Three stars is kind of average. That's kind of what I would I, honestly. That's what I would give myself. I would give myself a three star review. But then again, I'm also very hard on myself. I'm harder on myself than most people are. I kind of see all the flaws and I kind of see the things that could have been done better. So I would give myself a three-star review personally. But maybe you wouldn't. Maybe, maybe you think I'm too hard on myself and you think I deserve five stars. 
And if you do, by all means, go ahead and give us five stars. I would love that. It would make me feel better about myself, maybe. Probably not, but maybe. <laughs> Either way, if you would like to re leave a review, I'd appreciate it. It'd be great. Please go follow me on social media. Instagram, Twitter, Truth Social, Trump's New Thing, Getter, all these other places, at jhughes1776. That's at jhughes1776. I have a YouTube channel. I haven't posted on it in a hot minute, kind of like this podcast. But I've got some new video plans coming out. I've got a new video on its way. Me and a friend went around and talked to Liberty students and asked them their opinions on abortion. Ooh, that one's going to be good. If you don't want to miss it, go subscribe. But I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I hope you've loved listening. God loves you and so do I. Thank you, friends, so much. Have an amazing, wonderful rest of your day. I will see you in the next one.